I want to thank you all uh, for, for being here this evening and, and uh, being in a dark sanctuary this late at night. I recognize the hardship that's about to come to you. Um, have any of you ever lost your first love? Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I opened up preaching about this, I, I didn't really think too much about it this morning, but there were a number of people themselves who were either widows or, or widowers and were able to affirmly say, yes, I am. Um, and, and the hardship that comes with that. I know uh, there are certain ways that we consider that we have lost our first loves or, or things that we love. And certainly the, just the way that time seems to move on in our lives, it's easy for us to have something that we cherish and adore and then give it a certain amount of time and, and we don't come back to it. Um, I get the uh, enjoyment, I guess, of being a young father with young children and get to see this kind of on a, on a, spe a sped speed path of some sort where they get a new toy, they love it, it's their obsession, it is the apple of their eye, and two months later, it's in the trash. <laughs> you know, talk about a Walmart world. <laughs> in that. Uh, it's, it's hard for us to really um, put our heart and our minds around what it is that the Lord is actually convicting the church in Ephesus about. For his condemnation comes upon them and says, there's this one thing that I have against you, and it is that you have lost the love that you first had. That's a, that is a, a difficult thing to hear, especially because in the message that the uh, Lord is giving to this church. He actually gives them a number of things that they, they are doing well. He understands that they're having a hard time and that uh, false prophets, false teachers, false apostles have come and, and preached among them and they have called them out. They cannot stand and, and deal with any of their heresy in any sort of way. But there's this one thing out of all of their righteousness and, and their passion is love. The love that they had at first time with their God. Out of all the, the, the seven churches in Revelation, which we're going to go through the, on this Lent. This was suggested to me by, by Steve at one point to do this as a Lent sermon. I think it's a great idea. This is the first church that comes up. And we know there are worse churches. There's, in fact, out of the seven, there's even a church where the Lord can't even say a good thing about them. But the first one that he chooses to write to is Ephesus. And the conviction that he has is that they have lost the love that they had first for their Lord. And I think there can be many things and many reasons behind that. For we know of the perfect love that God has for us. We know that in reception of that love, it cannot help but overwhelmingly carry over into the other parts of our lives. There was a, uh, a Lutheran theologian, Francis Rossau, who always made the comment that the act of Jesus Christ and his love in the history of man was so overwhelming, it could not help but 
penetrate and go through all the other things of our history and our art. The church is the object of this love. But if you lose it, if you stop and you turn your heart from such love, well, so many other things seem to follow after that. You see, I think, I think this one sent first because of all the sins that we can have, this might be the one that is so subtle and so hard to realize is occurring. Because it's easy for us to consider our habitual actions as covering over the loss of love. It's easy for us to consider that our perfection in our theology is enough to cover over our loss of love. It's so easy for us to consider that maybe our perfection in the way that we do our worship can cover over our loss of love. It's easy for us to let this subtly take hold in our lives and that this loss can become a part of our faith. It's much like when we do any other commandment, we break the first commandment. And any time you get breaking your first commandment, it's soon after that the others start to add up as well. Here, this church has lost the love that it once had for its Lord. It understood its theology. It was able to push off those that were false preachers and teachers but at the heart of this church was a stone, a rock. And not the beating warmth of love. Maybe this is something that looks like apathy, spiritual apathy that takes over. Maybe it's something that, that comes through with our own distractions. Either way, the conviction is one for us to think about. In our own lives, have we become like the church in Ephesus? Have we found ourselves knowing the right answers, but finding it hard to understand the love of God in our lives? Have we found ourselves struggling to understand how that love can actually go out into the world and include such people that we would dare to find abhorrent, different. On, on Sunday, I'm going to spend a little bit more time of breaking down the shape and the look of all of these letters. And I, I'm not going to do it tonight uh, because I already see some fading going on here. <laughs> but there's generally a promise that's always attached to these letters. In good fashion, the Lord and his love is first founded and based on grace. And so it, it comes to us in the form of, if you repent, 
If you are able to see within your heart the ways in which you have lost this love or you have found that love to be something that you want to keep at a distance, turn. Turn back towards God. And for those that do, they themselves will be in victory. As it says at the end of it, to the one who conquers... I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Conquer is not something that we often talk about. In fact, it's generally a word we try to stay away from. It's, it's a little too much, you know, like the Crusades <laughs> in, in some way. But 1 John chapter 5 breaks it down for us very well, where it says there, For everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. For everyone who has been born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Faith. (laughs) Faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? We are gathered here tonight to begin our time of repentance. We do not come here as people who have fooled ourselves into thinking of our perfection. We do not come here as people who know that that we have nothing to confess before the altar, but rather we come here as people who can recognize and understand by the Spirit of God that we are sinners in need of grace. That grace is that love that God has for you. The love that has come for you. The love that that has come into your life so that you may conquer the things of the world that is our temptations, that is all the things that wish to steal us away. Our distractions. Our apathy. That love has come and made itself known to you in the form of the cross. Ash Wednesday is a peculiar service. One of them is that every year the reading is the same, which makes it very hard to be original. But it always comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. And as part of it is that when you are fasting... Do it quietly and without anything on your face. Well, we failed. (laughs) What that is actually in reference to is, is that when people would come to the time of their repentance and fasting, they would take great heaps of dirt and, and ash and they would take it and they'd pour it all over themselves so that if it wasn't just only the physical look of fasting that you did, the smell of it would be enough. And they they would put on different garments, much like me right now. (laughs) And they would want the whole world to know everything that, that they're giving up and all of their fasting and all of their righteousness in their mourning. But for us, we we just take a little bit of ash. Enough so that everybody knows this ash represents that I am a sinner. That inside 
In my heart and in my mind, I struggle with keeping my love for God aflame. That on my own, in fact, I couldn't even do it. And we take that little bit of ash and we make the sign of God's love for us on our forehead. So that our fasting is not one of mourning, but one of learning even more about God's love for us. That our repentance is not something that we mourn and grieve over of what we have to give over in our life, but one that actually by us repenting, we come to know even more the God who is created, who is loved, and continues to be in our lives. So repent. Repent, for He has come to you. He's come to you in the shape of the cross that was placed on your forehead and placed on your heart and is still there now. For that love, no matter what's going on with the love in your heart, is still burning for you. It's still there for you. It's still making itself known to you. Amen?